Boys and girls, welcome back to another episode of Cut Shit Get Fit. This is episode 241 with Kevin Carr. And if you don't know who he is, he is the, what I call, the disciple of Mike Boyle. If you don't know who Mike Boyle is, he is the godfather of functional fitness and single-handedly molded my career the way I train clients. So this was a a really fun episode to chat with Kevin Carr because I've been following him since, probably since I started the industry. And, you know, he is the guy when it comes to helping people get stronger, faster, and also helping the general population moving and feeling better and losing weight. Not only crushing it on the physical side, but Kevin's also a really good coach when it comes to the mental and emotional side, which we get into in this episode, which what I think is probably the most important thing as a coach. So here we go. Welcome back to another episode of Cut the Shit, Get Fit. I'm your lovely host, Rafael Matuszewski, and joining me today for the first time is the lovely Kevin Carr. Say hello. Hey, how are you? Thanks for having me. No problem. So I always like to start now the I show. Now how to say your name. I wasn't <laughs> yeah. sure how to say your last name and pronounce it. Like, so now I know how. So. Th- that is a story of my life. Like, anytime I meet somebody or, like, I go on a podcast and they're like, yeah, I was really hoping you would just tell me how to say your name. I'm like, honestly, like, I've had so many nicknames because most people can't say Rafael. So they're like, <laughs> Ralph or <laughs> Raphael or Raph. Like, I've, yeah, everything. It's hilarious. <laughs> Rafael, I had it was the last name. <laughs> yeah, it's it's like if I break it down to like if you were like reading a word of the dictionary, the easiest way it's like Matt, two, chef and ski. Yeah, see now it sounds easy. I like that. <laughs> yeah, honestly. Um, so to get things started, I always like to start with like really easy questions, and now you can hear my dog barking in the background. Jeez, this is like a rough start to this podcast. Um, so first easy question, uh, what is the current book you're reading or listening to? Great. So what I typically do with books is I'll, I'll chunk a few books at a time, depending on like my state of mind, because like you can't always read a science book can't always read like a personal development book. And so I, I, depending on like my state of mind, I'll uh, jump into different books. So right. Rereading as I reread every year, uh, the book E-Myth revisited. Um, so I'm rereading E-Myth right now, um, which is, if you're not familiar with E-Myth is kind of like the, the book if for business systems, like if you're building a small business, like how to build systems to, to run your business efficiently and be able to scale. And um, that's a book I try to reread every year because it's something you'll always struggle with and uh, to continue to be able to, to build a consistent business. So I'm reading that book. And along with that, um, I'm also reading um, a book called Locomotion by Tom Ashad and uh, Human Locomotion, which is actually another book I've read in the past that I'm rereading. So I, I'm actually doing a lot of rereading of books um, right now as, as, as opposed to reading, uh, reading newer ones. So what makes you want to, like, reread a book? Because I think you're the first guest I've had on my show that told me that they're rereading a book. Yeah, um, because I feel like there's a lot of books that say the same things. You can keep buying books, and I do keep buying books. Like, I'm a serial book orderer (laughs) on Amazon. But 
I think sometimes you'd look at a book and you're like, I probably can get more out of this book than I did when I read it five years ago, three years ago, or even a year ago, right? Um, and I'm a big believer that sometimes you go back and you get something out of it that you didn't get before because you've learned something else in the meantime, right? Um, e-myth, rereading that one is mainly just reminding me to do the things I already know I need to do better. And as a business owner, as your business grows, as you probably know, and um, things change, right? And you want to yeah. keep understanding how to refine things a little more and systemize things more. And then you think like, damn, I should have been doing this. And then a book like Human Locomotion, like as my understanding of physiology changes or biomechanics and, and therapy specifically, because that's kind of why I picked this one back up, um, is, you know, going back through me like, okay, now I have a better understanding of this or based on the clients that I've been seeing recently, that this is a more important thing to me. So right now I'm diving back into those. And then I'll probably go, go back into something that's new after this. But I, I figured you know, I'd invest some time kind of going back through two that I thought I could probably get more out of that I, I probably didn't get enough out of the first time. So now I'm kind of curious because, like, I read the E-Myth. So when you like, read that, like, what was something that you missed last time where you were like, holy shit, I can't believe I totally missed that? Yeah, and, it, and it's not necessarily that there was something that was brand new as much as the fact that, like, now I have more new employees, right? I have, we have 20 new interns this week. Um, CFSC specifically, we've been growing really rapidly. So I keep hiring new instructors, people from our staff who are just coaches before who are now teachers, right? So how I manage them and how I teach them has to be different than when they're just trainers or strength conditioning coaches. Now I have to um, kind of have an order of operations for them also as instructors, right? Um, so you can't just assume that, Hey, just because they train through the system at the gym that they can teach this system, right? It's two different things. So, um, I'm just trying to refine our, our systems at certified functional strength coach, um, to be, to be a little bit more streamlined because for a long time it was really like Brendan, Marco and myself teaching these courses. Right. And we all knew exactly how we thought we didn't really have to communicate systems as clearly and as, uh, streamlined and like put on paper. But now that we have, you know, probably 12 people that teach the course, you know, it's the telephone game, right? I tell one person one thing, they tell the next person one thing, and all of a sudden you get down the line, and the message is different. So um, just kind of reminding myself of all these things, because no matter how many times you do it, uh, you're typically going to be someone who likely tries to do things himself or kind of forgets the details. Um, so it's just uh, kind of helping me be in the right mindset to, to systemize things in our business, you know? Perfect. Uh, so next easy question, what is the current TV series you're watching, or are you one of those people who doesn't watch TV whatsoever? Um, well, so since Game of Thrones ended, <laughs> and now it's been the NHL playoffs, that's really all I've been watching is the NHL playoffs. So um, as I sit here in about two hours, it's going to be game time in the Stanley Cup Finals with the Bruins. Uh, so that has really been my TV time um, in the last, ever since Game of Thrones ended. That has really been what I've been watching is, is NHL hockey. So now, but after tonight, one way or the other, I'm going to have to, uh, I guess I'll have to pick something else up. So I don't really know what that'll be. Oh, fair enough. Yeah, interesting enough, when Boston was playing Vancouver for the Stanley Cup, I was actually at Game 7 downtown, and I'm so happy wow. I left, like, the moment the game was over and got home safely to the because like at one point they just shut down all the bridges and the sky trains and things like that so yeah it was definitely an interesting vibe downtown it was it was weird it was definitely weird yeah yeah crazy uh yeah you really wouldn't it's in boston tonight 
Um, I wouldn't want to be there if they lost. That's for sure. <laughs> um, so next easy question and the last one. Um, what is your biggest pet peeve, both in the fitness industry and everyday life? Um, I guess the fitness industry is people not understanding that it's not about them. Um, I think a lot of people get into this field because they like to exercise, right? And they like how exercise made them feel. And they probably had a positive experience. But once you get on the other side of the equation, you begin begin serving others and you begin being a coach. It's not about you anymore as much as you love fitness. Um, and sometimes I think people forget that, right? And especially in the age of social media, um, I think that often it's about self um, because that's what makes them feel good, whether it's getting likes or, or things like that, that, that nature. But Really, it really is, realize we're in a service industry um, and we're here to help people. And uh, there are a lot of people who really need us. Uh, I mean, and it can be really easy to lead people astray uh, with bad information or things of that nature. So I just get, I get frustrated when people are not doing the most they can to serve others and, and not necessarily putting clients or, or the consumer first, right? Um, but I guess outside of the industry would be just complaining in general. <laughs> uh, nice. I'm not much for, uh, complaints or, or complaining. Um, because if you can sit and talk about it and, uh, lament about it, then you can probably also do something about it as well. And I usually think your energy is better served, uh, putting it towards a solution or just, uh, you know, not worrying about it at all. Right. So I, uh, just, I generally don't like to listen to people complain. <laughs> <laughs> But I think that's a good point, like, especially the first one where, like, I think a lot of coaches get into the industry because they, you know, played a sport and they liked working out. They couldn't make it to the pros with the sport they were playing. And they're like, you know what? I'm going to train the pros. And then they realize they're training Sally Sue, mom of three, in their gym every day. Exactly. Yeah. Um, So before we keep going, let's get a little intro of who you are, what you do, and how did you get into this industry in the first place? Yeah, so um, I've been working as a strength and conditioning coach, personal trainer at Mike Bush Strength and Conditioning for about 11 years now. So I interned there uh, right out of high school when I was going into college. Um, I was studying kinesiology at UMass Amherst. So throughout my entire experience there um, going to school, I was also working at the gym like after I finished my internship. So I'd go back on spring break, winter break, summer break, and I'd coach. Um, and then when I got out of school, I just, I've stayed here working full time in that, in that experience sense. And I've just kind of grown my career, uh, within the confines of MBSC and, and been lucky enough to also be able to start business of businesses of my own while still underneath that roof and underneath that umbrella that Mike has kind of provided for us. Um, luckily MBSC's kind of serves a little bit of an incubator to, you know, become an entrepreneur while also helping be a part of that great business that is MBSC. So, um, I also have movement as medicine there, which is a movement, uh, therapy and massage therapy clinic where, uh, we work to work with people who have, you know, uh, pain, chronic movement issues and kind of transition them back towards exercise. And then also certified functional strength coach, which is our, uh, personal training and uh, strength coach practical based certification. So, um, yeah, I kind of wear a bunch of different hats, but I show up to one building every day to, to go to work. So, uh, lucky to, to be able to do that. 
Awesome. So, like, what got you into training? Like, what was something about it or something you experienced where you're like, this is what I'm meant to do for the rest mm -hmm. of my life? Yeah, well, I, mean, I definitely credit my father for getting me to exercise. And my mother has always been very active as well. She always worked out at our house. But my dad started letting me go to goals with him when I was in high school. Nice. Um, and I would go before school. So I would work out in the mornings, go to school, play my sport in the afternoon. Uh, um, and what, But what really kind of started to get me to self-research on my own was, uh, just like you were saying earlier, I played sports. Uh, I did track and field. I did football. And I suffered a labral tear and a, a surgery like my junior year of high school, um, and I had to get a repair on my shoulder. And I had a great physical therapy experience, outstanding physical therapy experience. Now, even looking back, the guy was really good. He spent a lot of time with me, and but that got me interested in lifting weights uh, um, from there because when I would go to football practice, before I was cleared for contact, I would do the warm-up drills, I would do the skill stuff, but I wasn't cleared for contact. So when we went to go to contact work, I would go down the weight room, I'd work out, I'd lift. And I'd come back for conditioning at the end, I'd run. And I kind of built a love of, of lifting, in, and we had a dark, like a dark, kind of grimy little crappy weight room, but it had everything we needed. And uh, then that's the kind of got me into looking into kinesiology when I went to college. Um, and, and I didn't know if I would be a strength conditioning coach. I thought probably maybe I'll be physical therapy. And it was around that time I was working at Gold's Gym that I was introduced to who Mike Boyle was just uh, through a guy that worked at Gold's Gym. Jim, his name was Clark Evans. I've told the story a few times. And he he was a contract trainer, like a, a, a private contractor at uh, Gold's Gym at the time. I mean, he was doing like single leg squats and single leg deadlifts, all this stuff I had never seen. Meanwhile, I was like on the pec deck and like doing all just meathead stuff. <laughs> nice. Pretty much like any, any kid who was like 18, 19 years old. And uh, um, I worked out with him and it was like the hardest thing I'd ever done in my life at that point. And he was like, oh, you should check this guy, Mike Boyle. I did a mentorship with him. He works at BU. He kind of gave me the whole lowdown, and I had never heard of Mike. Um, so I applied, and, you know, the rest is history, uh, really. And, and I've been lucky to kind of have some great, you know, mentors along the way at MBFC and, and, and otherwise. And uh, it's, uh, it's, it's been a, an interesting path, but it's, it's been a good one. I'm glad I started there, right, and didn't have to find my way back. It was actually kind of my early step in strength conditioning was into the right building, I always say. Nice. And correct me if I'm wrong, you also became an RMT, correct? Yeah, I'm a, I'm a, yeah, I'm a licensed massage therapist. I went yeah. to Corteva Institute after, um, after probably four years, five years at MBSC. Uh, Brendan Rierick and I uh, both said, hey, let's go to massage school. We were living together at the time. And we went back to school while we were working at MBSC, and that's when we opened. Been moving his mess and after we graduated. So, yeah, so I am also a licensed massage therapist as well as, and we have multiple massage therapists that work at, at Movement as Medicine alongside me as well. So, so what made you go down the massage route rather than like physical therapy or like a Cairo or anything like that? Mm -hmm. um, well, it's kind of interesting. Like, I'd been working as a strength coach, and I remember thinking when I, especially when I was talking to Brendan, like, ah, like, I want to be able to do more with my clients who have issues, right? Who might not necessarily need to go get a physical therapy or referral. Um, they'd be willing to pay out of pocket. I, I want to work in a certain scope. Like I, I, I've never really want to work in a traditional PT scope and that I want to, that I wanted to see people like acute right after surgery or people right in the hospital. And I spoke with a bunch of people who I looked up to physical therapists, chiropractors, other trainers. And the recommendation they all had was 
look at the scope that you want to work with. Look at the scope you're surrounded by, the people, and see where they fit. Uh, um, and actually try to define what you want to do if you're actually going to open a business. Like, don't just go to massage school or PT school just to keep doing what you're already doing. Right? You have to monetize it to make it worth it because it's an investment. But the investment for massage school was a lot less than physical therapy school, both time and financially, because I want to keep working. Um, and, and Brennan and I kind of talked about, okay, what do you want to do? And everyone said, you know, you're going to get more hands-on manual skills if you go to massage school, and you'll still probably be able to work in the scope that you want, just refer out when people are outside of that. And that's kind of how I settled in. And, and massage school allowed me to be able to pay out of pocket, you know, rather than having to take out a loan. I was just kind of paying weekly as I showed up. Uh, <laughs> for class and uh, it allowed me to get it done about 16 months as opposed to, to a couple of years and, and it, it kind of put me into the skill set in the, the population that I, I have always kind of desired to work with so it just kind of worked out that way and it was convenient you know it was, it was right near it wasn't far away from where we were living I could go at night I could go on weekends and, and make it work awesome so now I'm kind of curious like with your yeah. training as a licensed massage therapist like how does that translate with you training clients and people at the gym like do you kind of mesh them together like how do you kind of utilize your new knowledge now yeah i mean ideally i would say like any good therapist whether they're a pt or massage therapist or a chiro when they're practicing all these things and even a strength conditioning coach if they're doing a great job and they're not on the table doing actual table work they should almost be indistinguishable from one another, right? Because they, at least in my mindset, everything should track back towards exercise um, in one way, no matter what your scope is, no matter who, what your license says. Um, because typically that person ended up in that position with pain or discomfort or, or whatever issue they're dealing with um, due to a lack of fitness for some reason, right? Um, a lack of fitness so that, you know, their, their neck hurts because they weren't fit enough or were not prepared enough to sit at their desk for 10 hours that day, Right. Or, you know, that athlete pulled that hamstring because they were not fit enough for whatever activity they were doing. Um, ultimately, the manual therapy opens a door to get them back to training. So um, it's all about kind of where that client is on the spectrum in my mind. So, you know, I have some people who come in the door and need to spend a little bit more time receiving manual work. They're on the table. Maybe we're just doing some active mobility stuff. Where I have some people who I work on and then it's like, all right, the solution for you is actually exercise, uh, fitness or so stability work in some degree. So, um, it really just allows me to work on further, a further end of the spectrum, right? If you think one way, one side, all the way to my left is like at the doctor's office, like acute issue, right? Acute pain in surgery, just out of surgery. That's medical, that's doctor, that's physical therapist. But then you get a little bit further to the right and you have maybe what I do as a massage therapist and a movement therapist, maybe some chiropractors and then you keep moving to the right and it becomes more of a fitness job. Right. Every client exists on that spectrum somewhere. Um, so the, the manual skills that I got at massage school just allows me a little bit further on the medical side of the spectrum than maybe a traditional coach. Right. And it allows me to kind of see things from that perspective easier uh, because of my experience there. Oh, fair enough. Now, the yeah. next question, I'm kind of curious because you have like so many things that you're doing all at once. Like, how do you manage your yeah. time? Like, that's this crazy to me. <laughs> Yeah, it's difficult. Uh, it's, I mean, anyone who says that they're balanced, uh, they're lying, I think. Um, because because I think to really achieve anything in any direction, you have to kind of, you have to be a little bit out of balance for to, to roll down the hill, you know what I'm saying? So, or roll up the, or go up the hill, one or the other. 
it's going to be work. But um, the big thing is this chunking, like really saying, okay, I'm going to block this time off for this, intentionally scheduling your time. And I think lots of times trainers, and like I'm guilty of this as much as anybody is, letting your schedule guide you um, and letting people book whenever they want, whenever you have an opening. When they say, hey, I really want to come at 2.30. Well, that's the time I was going to work on this. So you can't give that up, right? So you have to be intentional with where you spend your time. You have to chunk your time. Um, and then uh, one, another book that's a good reread that I remind is Essentialism by uh, yeah. to Greg McCown. And um, reminding yourself, like, okay, what is the investment of things that are giving me the most return? Um, and I think a lot of times we end up spending time doing things that don't uh, return on your investment of your time. And, and time's the most valuable thing you can spend, I think. So um, I'm always kind of trying to audit that. And, and to anyone that tells you they have it down and under control, again, I would say is probably not being completely truthful with you or themselves. Um, because it's a daily process of, of being like, okay where does my time go today? Um, but it's being honest with yourself and asking that question that, that makes you more efficient at it, I think. No, and I think that's good advice for like the general population too because I find a lot of times, you know, everyday folk, they just always come up with the excuse like, oh, I don't have time. But when you start kind of like, because Essentialism is like one of my favorite books and I always bring it up to my clients and I start kind of like breaking it down for people where you just got to set some priorities and kind of like it's non-negotiable. Right. So now I'm yep. kind of curious, like, how do you kind of communicate to clients that are general population to kind of make fitness a priority and kind of make sure that they're successful? Yeah, I think it's again, when they say I don't have time, I, I give them the lesson of no, it's no, it's not a priority. Right. And at first, sometimes they think like, especially when you're working with people who are. You know, if they're paying for fitness, they probably make a lot of money. They probably have done fairly well or someone around has done very well in their life. And so they're not used to someone saying that to them. Um, but it gets their attention. And I'd say, well, no, it, it's not that you don't have time. Like I, I have as much time as you. And it helps that I'm really busy because um, I say I, I still manage to do something every day. Even It doesn't have to be a, a two-hour commitment. It could be a 30-minute commitment that makes you better. Um, and, and getting them to understand that like, it's just about prioritizing and scheduling and I show them what my calendar looks like and what I do on my calendar is I say I'll block it and I'll say oh workout 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 just across the same time every day um, and sometimes it's longer or more intense than others but that's personal time um, and, and it's very easy to schedule over it so I just it's get, getting them to understand that like you have as many hours as everyone else right and uh, and and it's just going to be how you choose to spend it and, and if you want to sacrifice doing other things. And then I'll say to them, if, listen, if you at the end of this conversation and end of you thinking about it, say, uh, I don't want to prioritize it, well, that's fine. That's your choice. But don't, don't uh, you, you disempower yourself when you say I don't have time, right? It takes you out of it, uh, which, which I don't think is good. I think you have to be willing to say, okay, no, it's just not a priority because, because anybody can make 30 minutes a day, you know, if, if they really want to. Have you ever, like, uh, experienced, like, having these conversations with these clients and, like, they figure out they're actually not ready to actually change their life just yet? Like, they just know that, oh, I know exercise is good for me, I should do it, but they're not really putting, like, 100% into it. And then you start talking with them and they're like, oh, shit, I don't think I'm actually able to put 100% in right now and then have this expectation of, like, losing 60 pounds. Yeah. Yeah, and, I, and I've actually lost a client in the therapy 
um, as a therapy client because of that. So this like, and, and it was, it was one of the most sobering things in my career. Cause it was early. It was when I started to be willing to have these conversations. Cause you know, early in your career, you're not necessarily willing to put yourself out there and say things. You're kind of a lot more agreeable. Right. And this guy came in and he was referred to me by someone who's been a longtime client of ours. And it was a family member. And I remember him, he had knee pain, um, like kind of nondescript patella achiness, had gotten an image and they're like, he's in his middle age. Hey, there's some degenerative changes as anyone who's middle age would have something like that. And the elephant in the room without saying it was that he was really overweight, like no pun intended. Like that was like, I'm looking at him coming in. I'm like, this guy is not comfortable standing up. Right. He wanted to sit down and talk to me. Um, and he's talking about knee pain. So we're going through, I'm trying to rule out red flags and do an assessment. And, and the conversation I essentially had with him was, um, I can, I can rub your knee. I can do massage work on your quad. I can do some patella frictioning. All these things might make it feel better transiently and, and, and open a window of opportunity to move, but you have to be willing to move and you have to be willing to exercise. Um, and I told him, I said, listen, I, I would, I, I wouldn't be doing you a service if I, uh, just charged you to uh, twice a week for me to work on, rub your leg. <laughs> that's exactly what I said. <laughs> I said, you'll, you'll feel better. But I said, in the long run, that's not, I'm going to tell you, that's not the answer. You have to start exercising. We have to think about the inflammatory things that are going on. And that's what relates to your lifestyle, your diet, all of these things. Um, and he said, he goes, I'm not interested in doing that. And I said, well, to be honest with you, that I, I I'm telling you, that's going to be the, the solution uh, for, for your pain. Like if, if you lose 50 pounds, if you lose 25 pounds, if you get a little more sleep, if you just improve your diet and it's just start walking with me, like I'll walk with you if you make an appointment after I rub your leg for a little bit. Um, and then he said, no, he said, I'm going to go somewhere else. And I, I was, I had to be okay. Um, with saying that. I, I, it, it, he, it was a complete understanding between both of us. Um, but then I started to realize like that those are actually probably the most meaningful conversations because he knew it. That's the, I mean, that's why he left because he knew he knew that I believed in that answer for, for him, uh, and he just didn't wasn't ready to to kind of to go down that road. So um, I think the more you kind of have those conversations, the better your practice and the more streamlined your practice actually gets because you, you get the people who want to be there, um, and, and then you, you have a little more leeway to work with them. Oh, good for you for having the confidence to say that because I think a lot of coaches tend to like not want to bring up like you said the elephant in the room because like i've seen so many clients over the years where you know if they just lost 20 pounds their knees wouldn't hurt so much their hips wouldn't hurt so much and every time they decided to go run they wouldn't be in pain and you're just like god if you just lost a little bit of weight things would start clearing up yep Ugh. yeah and and i mean i'm i remember being guilty of that early in my career and thinking like i remember thinking like oh man am i I, am I kind of like, you know, contraindicating all the things I believe because I just wanted to get clients earlier on. And then after a while, you realize like, okay, I, I need to believe in uh, in in the things I really know. And then at the end of the day, most people really appreciate that. They just because they realize they're paying for someone to to, to give them some truth. Uh, <laughs> so you gotta you gotta be willing to do that. And at the end, I think it it really serves you best. No, fair enough. And now that we're talking kind of about pain, like find it curious what your approach is for the general population that have those aches and pains in their joints. Cause like for me, I just find like you clear up T-spine mobility and hip mobility automatically people just feel better and they think you're a God, but you're like 
no, like you're you just moved poorly, and now I just made you move more efficiently. Now things are clearing up. Yeah, I think it's twofold. It's it's the uh, like physical approach, and then it's also the psychological approach for them to understand what's actually happening when things don't feel good. Um, from a physical standpoint, like you started with talking about, like, hey, I'm just teaching you how to move the right joints with the right muscles at the right time, right? Uh, um, that's all I'm doing is I'm orienting to your, your body. I don't like trying to tell them I'm correcting things. I don't like them to think like, hey, I'm a, I'm like a scientist or a mechanic. I'm like, there, there's joints that are supposed to move certain ways, but with certain muscles, like we know that. And I'm just teaching you, I'm trying to put you in positions to do those things, right? Like that's why when I teach you to do a hip lift, I'm going to ask you to exhale and bring your ribs down so you don't use your spine. Or like when you said T-spine work, right? I'm going to have you do a thoracic mobility drill where you can't use your lumbar spine. So you have to use your T-spine, right? So starting to teach them like just where they're supposed to be getting movement from and ex exposing them enough so we can get a change. Um, but then also you got people who have these aches and pains. And I think sometimes their own beliefs about their aches and pains are the part of the reason that they don't get better, right? Because we know that pain is an experience, not necessarily a a uh, physical thing that's happening at the tissue, at the joint. It's it's your body interpreting threat, right? So getting to understand, like, the people always say things like, I got bad knees, or my back's a wreck, or, you know, oh, I got this big knot here. And they're all these are all beliefs that they've picked up either from themselves or from another therapist or another trainer or what have you, or a doctor, um, that essentially actually make their pain worse. It's, it's no susception, right? So um, getting them to say, like, hey, no, your back's not a wreck. Like, you just... You sense a little threat when you are in flexion, you bend down the entire shoes. So we want to progressively expose you to hip hinging so that your body feels strong and confident there and you feel strong and confident there. And then all of a sudden, you know, the pain's gone, right? So it's really, I just thought that like when we're rehabbing people, we don't really know how much is a physical change in the tissue and the strength and the, bio, the biological aspects and how much is attributed to that and how much is attributed to um, a reduction of threat in that position, right? Like if you ever have a client who has a history of back pain, like you ever seen them and like they won't bend down and tie their shoes like a normal person or if they yeah. drop a pencil, like they hip hinge to the ground instead of being like, hey, you know, you can flex your spine because there's threat there. Um, and that's that's a real thing. That's a real reason why they have pain. We know that if you look at uh, like Lorimer Mosley or any of the, you know, explain pain uh, research and things of that nature and um, getting them to be like, okay, this isn't a dangerous place. I'm not going to get hurt. Or, uh, things aren't going to be a disaster if I if I flex over and tie my shoes. So um, I always think twofold, like thinking about language and explanations and then also physically just getting things to move the way we need to. And like you said, it's, it's really a matter of just, it's pretty simple, but we're just, just kind of open their eyes to it. Yeah, and like I always kind of go back to like, if someone was just stronger, you know what I mean? Like it would fix so many things. And like when, now that I've been working in a clinic and all these people that come in pain and I like give them an eight kilo kettlebell, they're like, Oh shit, that's way too heavy. And I'm like, your purse or your luggage at the airport's like three times as heavy as this. And they're like, Oh, okay. And then you like start progressing them and then they're, they get a little bit more confident. And it's like, Getting someone who's never touched a weight doing like a pretty awesome single leg deadlift with an eight kilo kettlebell, you're like, holy shit, you're doing so well. They're like, yeah, I could actually feel my ass for the first time. Yeah, seriously, yeah. and and it's awesome, man. Like the feeling when you get someone who's like never lifted weights, you're like, oh my god, you're lifting weights now. Yeah. And I got I go back to the quote 
I love this quote from Mark Ripito, and I use it all the time. He says, strong people are harder to kill and are just more useful in general. Uh, um, and I think that's a really good one because it's true. But, yeah, I mean, strength builds resiliency towards a lot of things, towards psychological stress, towards physical stress, um, towards things under load. Like, it makes you better at just about everything in life, right? Because um, there's a lot of lessons you can learn in the, in the gym, both physical and mental. So getting people to not be scared of, like, hey, I need help picking up my groceries. Like, no, compared to the kettlebell you deadlift the other day, it's nothing, right? <laughs> yeah. um, and, like, starting to, them to see, like, there's a lot more opportunities in life. And like you said, they're like, I can't pick up an 8-kilo in your head. You're like, dude, I'm thinking about having you pick up a 20-kilo, like, down the road. So, like, you think big. So, like, you wait to see what I have in store for you, right? Um, so, yeah, if, if more people embrace strength training, I think we'd see a lot of changes. Um, and, I mean, that's the battle that you and I are fighting, right? We're just trying to get more and more people people to to see things that way and then and one person at a time really yeah definitely um so the next thing i want to go into is a question i got from instagram from jordan um he asks uh, i've always been curious to know how to reconcile functional fitness with bodybuilding the two seem to fundamentally be at odds with each other functional fitness is all about getting the body to work together as a total body unit Bodybuilding on the flip side is rooted primarily in isolation and taking away the recruitment of muscles that assist you in the lift. Leverage versus deleverage. Your thoughts, Kev? Yep. Um, well, I don't, I don't think they have to be mutually exclusive, but there definitely are some things about one or the other that, that can be uh, like contrary to one another, right? So I think at the end of the day, though, like you can be jacked like from a bodybuilder standpoint. And still move well to a certain extent. Now, I don't think you can probably look like Jay Cutler or Ronnie <laughs> Coleman and then go, like, move really well, like, by FMS standards or, like, by sporting standards. I think it gets extremes in any direction uh, are not going to be beneficial, right? So, but I've seen plenty of, like, very uh, physically uh, impressive, like, visually impressive athletes who also move really well and are extremely athletic. Um, so... I, I think at the end of the day, the number one thing you have to prioritize is your health, right? And if you think about functional training, like, okay, does the person move well? They have joint mobility everywhere. Like, you can – you pursue all of those things first, right? And then you can put on an, an unbelievable amount of mass without specializing in bodybuilding and training. It's a matter of, like, playing with the intensity and the volume of what you do, right? I think that once you get to a certain baseline of strength through – you know, a very traditional functional training approach, like push, pull, legs, core, uh, one, uh, like single leg hinge, double leg hinge, like the typical kind of boil approach, like, like we use a real easy way to start to, to change appearances, just start to increase the volume to that, right. Um, slowly and progressively. Then if you're like truly thinking bodybuilding and you're saying, I need to bring this part up, I don't think there's something wrong with doing some curls or doing some press downs. We're doing some extra chest work so long as it doesn't take away from goal number one, right, which is to uh, put health number one, like thou shall not do harm, right? And that includes when you're training yourself, not just when you're training other people. So we always, like, say when we build programs in MDSC, like, there's three goals. Number one, um, do no harm. Number two, improve, uh, reduce performance-related injuries. So relate injuries, um you know, out on the field or in the competition of play. And if that's a, a person who's gen pop, that means like just in life. And then 
very improved performance. So whatever performance is now, if you put that in the bodybuilding context, you can still do that. Right. So number one, put the health first, make sure the joints move, make sure uh, we're not progressing irresponsibly so that there's too much overload, um, reduce competition, reduce, uh, uh, competition related injuries. Um, so, okay. Make sure that when they're training and that they're, uh, when they're competing, if it is bodybuilding, that they're able to get in all the positions they need and then improve performance by just, if it's bodybuilding performance is making them look good. So just making sure that we're, we're continuing to, to progress the program to, to a point where we get some hypertrophy. So I also think that bodybuilding can be tainted obviously because of the drug use. Right. So, yeah. um, I think that if you saw bodybuilders on a professional level who didn't do drugs, right at all and just trained, they wouldn't look too much different than the really jacked guys that you know that, that train like athletes. Yeah. Um, I think that, I think that, uh, that's kind of where it gets tainted because it's like that. It's the thing that nobody talks about when you see the guy in the cover of flex and you see his chest program where he says he does like, uh, 20 sets of chest that day. Well, you know how you survive that type of volume is by, you know, taking D ball. So, um, uh, that's the secret that the people like forget that. And I'm like, okay, so the program you see, in uh, muscle and fitness or whatever it might be, if it's from whoever, you know, bodybuilding guy, whoever, uh, that's a program that's seen through the lens of probably some, some performance enhancing drugs. Um, whereas maybe the thing you see in a strength and conditioning facility, hopefully, uh, is not in that. So the amount of volume and frequency you can take in bodybuilding is going to be kind of through a different lens. But I don't think that, uh, I think there's plenty of impre- impressive physiques out there that can be built through, you know, classic functional tra- training. Hundred percent. Um, so the next thing I'm kind of curious yeah. about is now that you're speaking all over the world and just like being a rock star, um, what are like some of the common questions you get a lot, and what's like the one question you wish people would actually ask you? <laughs> um, I mean, it's funny teaching CFSC now. I kind of know the questions <laughs> that are coming so much so that I have a frequently asked questions document for our staff. I'm like, read these before you go teach. Nice. Um, and I actually just filmed a video today for one. Um, then I'm like, I'm going to start putting them in a video form. Um, because like I get a lot of questions about like, Hey, should you stretch before you lift? Cause I heard stretch reduce, stretching reduces power. That's when you get all the time. Um, you know, why don't you got back squat at MBSC? I get that one all the time. So like there's a standard serving, um, as it relates to kind of what we do from a functional training standpoint. Um, one that I wish I heard more, um, is, you know, how do you communicate with your clients or how do you um, listen to your clients on intake? Because for me, I think the training stuff, once you kind of understand the basics and you, you've coached a little bit, it's not that complicated anymore. Like I, my, it, it's, it's still pretty, you know, the, the programs are, are pretty basic and uniform across, across the board, at least in my eyes compared to what some people put out there. I think, um, although I think they're effective. Um, but I think the hard part is the client relation, the listening to people when you do an intake, um, the dealing with the sticky communication um, and, and personality issues that come with training, as you know, like it's, that's probably the hardest part. Yeah. Um, and, and I don't always have a clear answer. So I like, sometimes I like having questions that I have to think and that they help me kind of figure an answer to, uh, because it, 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 it's obviously going to make me better. Um, and it's, it's also the ones that are, are probably need the most asking. Um, cause I mean, I, I ask you like, I, 
I think that probably the hardest part of our job is dealing with personalities, dealing with people with complex histories, both, you know, physically and, you know, psychologically. Yeah, like, especially when you get, like, a client that's been in pain for so long and they've tried so many people and then every day that, like, every week you see them, they're still kind of the same. And you can't really tell them, like, oh, don't worry, there's going to be a light at the end of the tunnel. And they might be, like, the most complicated case you have. And you're like, shit, how am I going to make this person, like, feel good in this hour? And, like, you have to, like, really figure out their personality and somehow connect with them. Yeah, it's it is freaking hard, man. And like, because every day you're like, okay, what are they going to be like today? And like, what are they bringing to me today compared to on Monday, right? And um, yeah, you have to continually kind of it challenges you as a coach, and and, and those are the ones that make you better uh, as a coach for sure. So if you had to give like any kind of advice for newer coaches to kind of get some continuing education or some resource on kind of building. You know, I call it the, you know, the 80% where 20% is like the programming and learning how to coach and all that. Whereas the 80% is like really figuring out the person's, you know, ins and outs. Like, do you have any good resources for people to kind of grow on that side? Yes, there's a few books and there's a few courses that I would recommend. And uh, like I said, I'm by no means an expert at these things, but I've gotten a lot of these resources. So from a standpoint of courses, um, anything that you can get from the people at Mark Fisher's and Mark Fisher Fitness, um, whether it's their, um, uh, I know that business for unicorns, but they have like a coaching course and they do their workshop every year at the, at their own gym. Uh, they are outstanding at conversations, at building client relationships, which just really speaks to why I think they've been so successful. And if you spend any time around anyone on their staff, it's immediately clear when you talk to them that, uh, as they say, like they give a shit. Um, so Oh, they, they're really good at listening. You're going to, they, they actually teach active listening. They teach, um, like power listening as they would say. Um, and, and that is a skill that, that we practice. And I, I practice now that I, uh, have spent some time with them. So I think anytime you can learn from the people at Mark Fisher's fitness, Fisher fitness, it's probably a good investment in your time and money. Um, also I took a course called modern pain care, um, which is mainly geared towards physical therapists. Um, but it's really based around the pain science approach to to, to therapy. And you know, it, it just kind of continues to drive home the point of listening. That I think some, one of the stats I got out of that course was like the average PT interrupts their, uh, uh, their client every 12 seconds. Um, so learning to be active listener and learning to, to listen to people's stories and understand how the language matters, the things that they say and the things you say, um, really valuable. So modern pain care course I took, I, I thought was very, very good. Um, and then, and from a uh, standpoint of books, um, there's, um, a number of ones like, um, crucial conversations, uh, just about how to have, you know, hard conversations, good conversation conversations, um, is, is really good. And then motivational interviewing those two, um, just to kind of teach you how to talk to those things. Cause half the time, like we're just talking or we're, we're, so they said, we're not listening. We're just waiting for our turn to speak again. Right. Um, and that's true of everyone. So, um, and if that's again, another skill that, that I don't think you ever master, you just kind of, uh, you, you continue to try to get better at. Awesome. So for the very last question, 
if people wanted to find out more about you, any kind of projects you have coming out, books, speaking gigs, all that fun stuff, anything else you want to plug on my show, you can right now. All right, nice. <laughs> um, well, move, at Movement is Madison for our Instagram. It's kind of like our blog. Um, I try to get as much stuff up there as I can, training-related, health-related, et cetera. Um, and uh, you can hop on there and pretty much see stuff like every single week. Um, also, we also post all of our updating upcoming courses there and at, um, at certified FSC on Instagrams so our, our Instagram for certified functional strength coach. We have courses all over the world, uh, multiple courses a month, pretty much. Um, and that's at certifiedfsc.com if you just want to hop on there and, and sign up. So that, those would be your best bet, um, to, to get hold of us. And, um, we put a newsletter out through movement is medicine every month. Brennan does an unbelievable job with kind of, uh, kind of congregating all of our content into one monthly thing. So if you go to our website, it's at movement, it's uh, movement hyphen as hyphen medicine. You can, you can get any of our Instagram content there as well, but you can also, uh, either book an appointment or, uh, or get on our newsletter. So it, any, anything through movement is medicine or certified functional strength coach, I would, that is, uh, would be where you would find me. Awesome. So thank you so much for your time. This was amazing. Yeah, no, thank you for having me on. I enjoyed it a lot. And I'm um, always happy to talk. So um, I appreciate it. All right. So that's going to wrap up episode 241 with Kevin Carr. Hopefully you enjoyed it as much as I did. Super exciting. My book is out. It's launched. People are purchasing it. The response has been amazing. I am so humbled and lucky to have people who are supporting my work. It is very, like, words can't explain how excited I am to finally have this thing out. If you've been waiting for my book and still haven't purchased it, hit the show notes of this episode, click the link, buy it. You will not be sorry. And a heads up, it's 37 bucks right now. That's the sale price, and it's going to go up by 40% to the regular price. So don't wait. Don't be that person where they're like, oh, shit, I forgot to buy the book, and now it's regular price. Buy it at the discounted rate, and you will not be sorry. This book is literally a collection of all my knowledge and a program that is solid. So if you, at any point, listening to my show that said to themselves, you know what, I need a good program that's more specific to me, this is your chance. Hit the show notes, buy your book, and I'll love you forever. Thank you for supporting me, you guys. It's just been amazing. You guys, you guys are amazing. Thank you, thank you, thank you. So until next week, you guys, I'm going to continue giving you the best fitness and health advice out there. Share this podcast with your friends and family and go buy that book.